Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And my name is Shane Chen. We are just two friends encouraging one another to seek God more. We want to ask the best questions that we can. That's not a goal, it's a journey. The purpose of the journey is to learn and grow in God and to know Him better. We'd also love to take you on that journey with us. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we'll try to have a conversation about them. You can send your questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram at askingbetterquestionspodcast. That's right. So, Pastor John, what are some countries you have visited? I've been to a few. I think if we're not counting Australia, uh, where I was born, uh, I've been to six other countries. And so they would be India, Uganda, Fiji, and then stopovers in United Arab Emirates, Singapore, and Malaysia. That's great. So I know, Shane, you've been to a couple of those same countries, uh, particularly Fiji. You you spent a bit of time in Fiji, uh, but you've also been to United Arab Emirates, probably spent more time there than I did. You you probably actually made it outside of the airport. Um, But uh, how many countries have you been to? I would say uh, a few countries myself. Um, Let's see. uh, Well, obviously, uh, you know, I'm from Fiji. I live in Australia. I've been to uh, New Zealand and I've been to, uh, like you mentioned, United Arab Emirates and Canada and USA. So about the same number as you. It sounds like um, you've been to some exciting places. Um, I always love to see uh, just how the people are, the food and the cultures and just the difference each country brings and, and their own unique thing. And so I just love exploring new countries. Yeah, I think when you, like when I went to Dubai, I, I mentioned I didn't make it out of the airport. Uh, I was there, it was supposed to be a three and a half hour stopover in each direction. And it ended up on one direction. I was in the airport for about nine and a half hours. And I just wandered around just sort of in awe and wonder at the size and the beauty of just the airport. Uh, and I know people who travel a lot probably tend to notice airports less and less. But I just remember being absolutely amazed at that. And then the countries that I've visited, I think the the strange thing that I've discovered is that although cultures are incredibly different, if you actually get to know some of the people that are there, people around the world are amazing. Yeah, that is true. So... On that note, speaking of different cultures, how about we flip open the scriptures and have a look into an ancient Near Eastern culture? So this is our first segment we like to do called Random Scripture. This is where we flip the Bible to a random page, read a few verses that catch your eye on that page. Then we have a discussion about that verse and let the discussion take on a life of its own. This is not the way we recommend for doing daily devotions. It's much better to have some sort of a reading plan, but it does have its place here. So I think Shane... Uh, it might be my turn to flip the scripture today. I think it is your turn. Yeah, for sure. Go for it. Are you excited? I'm really excited. Okay, let's do it. We're in Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah chapter 50. And we'll start. Well, let's just start at verse one. This is the word the Lord spoke through Jeremiah, the prophet concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Announce and proclaim among the nations. Lift up a banner and proclaim it. Keep nothing back. But say, Babylon will be captured. Bel will be put to shame. Marduk, filled with terror. Her images will be put to shame and her idols filled with terror. A nation from the north will attack her and lay waste her land. 
No one will live in it. Both men and animals will flee away. So, Pastor John, uh, reading through these verses, um, we can see that um, it's the land of uh, uh, Babylonians and they actually are worshipping idols. And what uh, Prophet Jeremiah is t- telling them, the Lord spoke that all of those things that is going on will be destroyed. And the nation, no one will ever live there. It will be a wasteland because... People have not been following God. These people are not of God and their ways are not of God. And so God is basically telling them that this is not right and I'm going to put an end to this. Yeah, that's right. And obviously the the ability to speak into the future of another nation and say not only that it's going to be brought down, but also how. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that the whole context of that is like a lot of... Well, there's not a lot of detail, but there's enough detail in here for us to now look back in history and see that this prophecy of Jeremiah is fulfilled somewhere around the 500s BC. And so, you know, Jeremiah is looking forward and, and the, most of the book of Jeremiah actually fits within the time that uh, Babylon has come in and is actually a superpower in the world at the time. And so, you know, towards the start of the book of Jeremiah, you see God saying, you know, this, the fact that Babylon is coming in, it's not forever. So buy land and, you know, don't, don't actually just give up on life and say, well, it's all over. No, I'm bringing you back to the promised land. And so, you know, Jeremiah is then speaking into this further down the track saying, you know, God's going to do this. God's going to make it happen. And to say a nation from the north will attack her. Uh, it's not necessarily an extremely specific statement, but the fact that it was a nation from the north that came and destroyed Babylon in the end, uh, the um, the Medo-Persian Empire came through and and took over that area. And so we, we see the fact that in this process where Jeremiah is just speaking out the word of the Lord, it's another example of biblical prophecy being fulfilled. Yes. And like... I, I look at it in uh, different contexts, just thinking about these verses is just announce and proclaim. Like if you worship God, if you praise and worship God and hold nothing back, lift up his banner and, and just praise God for every situation you have. Um, and I just feel like it, it's a word for someone that um, your enemies will be captured. Your enemies will be put to shame. They, they, they will bow down. They will go away and you know they will be defeated and i just feel like that's something that we use is our praise and worship is a weapon against the enemy and i think that's why it, uh, he starts with announcing proclaim among the nations that this will happen so it's like um, if you are facing something right now it's announcing and proclaiming that this will not happen like my life won't be a disaster my life would be great my, my depression and anxiety won't be there and, and just proclaim the things in our lives, just prophesy over our lives that, you know, if I have any shame in my life, that will be done with, that will be put away with. If I have any sort of defeat in my life, it would not, it, you can face any situation, is proclaiming the right things of God in your life. And I just believe that's something that the verse is showing us that, we need to do that in our life. Every time we face situations, I don't know what you're facing right now, but are you proclaiming those things and are you saying like, 
these things won't happen to me. Um, like, for example, um, we um, uh, just um, had a baby and a lot of people were saying how uh, you're going to be faced with this and that, uh, no, no sleep, baby's going to be crying all the time and all of this and you, your life is going to change and all of this is good. But every time someone said anything negative, I was like, that is not for me. I, I refuse to take on that. I refuse to believe for that. I, I, I do not want that over our lives. Just because other people might have had those experiences, it is great. That's your experience. But I didn't want those negative experiences to be with us. We wanted to experience all the good things uh, when it comes to babies. So that's that's something we did. Is just we proclaimed and we announced and, and we kept going saying, nah, this is not for us rebuke not for us and i just feel like uh there's something that we can do in our life and just say not shame not for us and things you might be struggling with so there you go i was just gonna say yeah and it must be wonderful having a baby that doesn't cry or wake you up at night that must be amazing um (laughs) and you know when we look at this the book of jeremiah as i said before was written into the time jerusalem the israelites had been taken captive they were actually taken from their land. They were taken into a foreign land. And although some of them were trained and, and raised up into different leadership positions, they were effectively slaves and prisoners living in that land. And the whole point of the message that Jeremiah gives throughout that entire time is God's going to be with you. Whatever happens, whatever you go through, it's not to your destruction. It's not to your end. God is going to go with you. And so do things that actually reflect the character of God. Grow, have kids, buy land, work hard, make the land that you're going to a prosperous place because that'll also be good for you. And so it's not even about circumstances. It's about, am I going to walk through this with God on my side? Am I going to walk through this in relationship with him, in, in connection with him? Or am I going to just wait and and be depressed and miserable until everything gets better. And so that, so part of it is what you're mentioning there, Shane, about the circumstances we go into, but part of it also, and, and you know, in that sense, the things that happen to us, but also it's what is God doing in me? How is he changing me? What is he making me into? What, what sort of person does he want me to become? And allowing whether I'm in good circumstances or not, God to actually come in and make me who he wants me to be. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we might go to our next segment, which uh, is the main question for today. And so today we're tackling the question, how do we maintain the disciplines of spiritual reality without it becoming religious and stale? So Shane, in our Christian walk, we often get told, well, now that you're a Christian, you need to read the Bible, you need to pray, you need to uh, go to church, you need a tithe. There's a whole list of things that we could put into the category of spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And we tell people that because they're incredibly important things to do. Yes. But at the same time, we also talk about hearing God's voice and we talk about, um, you know, keeping our relationship with him fresh, you know, concepts like daily bread, those sorts of things where the, the concept is different to just doing disciplines. And so we're just going to have a look probably more at the balance between the two things because sometimes we can take one extreme and, you know, we can 
you know, maybe spend the rest of our spiritual walk being really close, intimate with God, but never once picking up the Bible and finding out what he has to say for us from there. And then we end up quite out of balance as well. And so we're just going to have a discussion about uh, that balance. That's it. Like, I feel like when we first get saved, we have a lot of passion and a lot of fire and we basically try to hold on to everything. So we'd like to go to every single meeting, church meeting that there is, Bible studies, start listening to many sermons and uh, just read your Bible. I think when you initially get saved, there's a lot of passion and a lot of fire and you start doing a lot of those things. But slowly it just starts to go because um, it, it becomes a routine. You go to church every Sunday, you go to Bible study every Tuesday night, whatever you do, you read your Bible every morning If and you, and you go to prayer meetings, you do all of that and it just sort of, without you even realizing it, because you love it so much at the start and you start doing all of that, that it becomes almost part of a daily routine. This this is, you might have never been to church before and all of a sudden you started to go to church and you start really loving it and yeah. all of those happen, there's excitement, but there eventually comes a stage where it becomes a daily routine in your life. People who grow, grow up Christian, it, it is daily routine for them to begin with. They've always been to church. And so in yeah. that way, you can lose that passion. You can lose that fire for God. And it could just become things that we do on a regular basis. Like we have breakfast, like we have lunch, we have dinner. And we go to the gym maybe. Pastor John doesn't, but some of us do. <laughs> um, but it just becomes a re- regular routine in our life that... We, we stop thinking about it and it just becomes more like a religious thing now that we're doing. Uh, there's the, the fire has sort of died down and now you're thinking, am I reading my Bible? I'm not getting anything out of it like I used to before. Maybe you have stopped reading it because you didn't get, uh, stop getting things from it. Um, maybe now you're cutting down on um, prayer meetings or going to church, whatever it is. I feel like most of us here has experienced that where you have that initial fire, you do all those things, and then it slowly starts to become stale. And that discipline is sort of really hard to maintain. I have struggled with it a lot where I used to read my Bible, you know, a fair few chapters, about 10 to 20 chapters a day. And then it sort of slowly you know, went down and down and down where it just I it just became so stale like I was just doing it as just a religious practice. I wasn't actually doing to find anything from God. It was just like, oh yeah, I have to open my Bible to read. Oh yeah, I have to go to church because that's what's required of me. Oh yeah, I have to um listen uh to someone's sermon. It was just a practice that I was doing right now without actually having that initial Man, I'm excited to hear something from God today. Um, man, what what does God have for me? It was more like, oh yeah, this is something I have to do. And so I started doing that. So I'm just going to poke that a little bit. The, the concept there is that there was a time when you were doing it and it was amazing and it was great and it was fresh and it was about that relationship with God. And then there was a time when... It, it became more of a struggle, became more just a chore, more a yes. job. And that really is 
the balance that we're we're talking about here. So within that, was it obvious that you were doing anything different? I don't think I was doing anything different. It just, like I mentioned, became a pattern in my life that this is what I'm doing now. And it sort of wasn't anything new. Like before it was new, now it has gotten old. And it's the same thing. So it was a struggle to how do I actually keep this fresh in my life? How do I get that fire back in my life to actually enjoy those things that I used to? Um, I love going to church. I I love it now. I, I do all of that. And it was really going back to that place where I first began knowing, man, God saved me. I, going back to my salvation moment. God saved a sinner like me. And it's it was hard to just praying into like God give me that uh, freshness. I don't want any any stale in my life. I, I want the freshness in my life, and it was just praying into it, uh, and actually then start begin and then just having an encounter with God that changes it. That God actually shows me that it is not about all of that. It is about that purely about a relationship with me. You need to spend more time with me in my presence, talking to me, than you do in other things. And that is, when you put God first, that is our number one priority, is spend more time with Him. So when I'm doing other stuff, that's what was taking me away. Going to church, it's great. Going to prayer meeting, it's great. Going to a Bible study, it's great. Um, meeting up with people, it's great. Doing, um, Reading your Bible, is great. But he was just really urging me to say, the most important out of the whole lot is actually why you got saved is because I wanted to have a personal relationship with you. And I I needed to maintain that in order to enjoy all the other aspects of the church. So when I was in his presence and I encountered him, when he spoke to me, there was that fire again. So for me to keep things fresh in my life, I always had to go into his presence and be like, hey God, I'm here again. Sorry, I haven't been here. I was doing other things that um, that I'm supposed to do, go to church and all of that, which is all great. But then when you actually spend time with in his presence, that's what actually keeps you going in other things in life. And that's what I have noticed. It's like, you might be having a really bad day and then you go to your best friend's house and you sit down, have a coffee and you have a conversation. All of a sudden, you feel a bit uplifted because they have said some things that has you know, really got you going and really made your day or something like that. Uh, it's same with God. I feel like uh, with that we don't recognize when we sit down in his presence, he lifts us up. And so how did I start getting back into that uh, new routine? to keep things fresh is was simply spending more time with God and then I started to enjoy those other things again. It's interesting. The phrase spending more time with God is I think probably the heart of the question that we're actually discussing today. Because when when we're just reading the Bible and praying for it to be a job or a task or to tick off a to-do list. It has some small amount of value, but we often talk about it as though I'm going to spend some time with God. And what that means is I'm going to go and I'm going to read the Bible, or that means I'm going to go and pray, or I'm going to do this. And we call it spending time with God. 
And I think that's probably the thing that we need to be careful of in the whole discussion is there is times where reading the Bible is time with God. Mm-hmm. And that should be the goal every time we read the Bible that we want to encounter yeah. God. But the heart change that happens, and sometimes it's just because you're going through a difficult time, it doesn't mean that if we're struggling with it and we're not meeting with God that we should stop reading the Bible or stop praying or stop going to church. And I think you've made that point, that that it actually becomes we need to find a way to encounter God again. And that's the elusive part. The word encounter God, you know, we that's the bit that we can't make that happen. We can't force God to reveal himself as we read the scripture. We can't force God to speak back to us while we're praying. We can't force God's presence to to show up in a tangible way while we're at church. So we have the opportunity to go to church and we can hope and, and pray that something happens that's more than just a nice service with some nice songs and a nice speaker. We want it to be more than that. We actually want to be encountering him. Um, I just want to have a look at uh, the Church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. And I think this kind of might might shift the conversation slightly, but I just want to talk about this church where Jesus says to this church, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered, you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now that sounds great. That sounds amazing. Like these are the sort of people that we want to encourage and say they're doing the right thing. But the next verse in verse four, it says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And so in the middle of that, it's actually saying, go back and do the things you did at first. Go back and it's, it's like capture the feeling that you had or the, the attitude that you had when you first yes. started. And we can relate this. And you know, I think this is part of the reason that God gives us marriage as a picture. We can relate this in marriage. That if we, when we first get married, when we first find the person we're going to marry and you know, different cultures throughout history have done this slightly differently. But, you know, in, in our culture, you you meet someone and you start spending time with them in different circumstances and, you know, whether you meet them at church or somewhere else and you end up having time with them and then you, start, you might go out for dinner or you might go and see a movie or whatever it is that you're going to do to spend time with this person. And in our culture, one of the struggles we have is once we get married then we settle into the normal things of married life where it just becomes ordinary. And so we don't deliberately focus on just spending time with the other person because there's all sorts of things. And you mentioned uh, that you've had a baby and I'm not speaking negativity over your life, but the baby will try to interrupt time that you have with your wife. And, uh, you know, so, so that sort of thing happens. And all sorts of other responsibilities come in. You know, sometimes you have to work and you come home tired. And when you come home, you just want to relax. You just want to be at peace. You just want to be, I'm here now. I don't have to do anything. And, and so we don't then come home thinking these are the most important people in my life. I'm going to, what am I going to do to create some sort of positive environment here? We just settle. And so all of the things then outside of the house start to become more important than the things inside the house. And that pattern then becomes 
the fact that we've now fallen out of love. And that's, you know, it might be a quick process or a slow process depending on other factors. But if we don't intentionally spend time together, and it's not about saying, well, at nine o'clock every morning, these are the words I want you to say and these are the words I'm going to reply that's with. That's it. Although, you know, those sorts of words might be very good. But it's actually about saying, we're going to find times for my heart to connect with yours where there's no distractions or no interruptions, where it's just, we get to be together. Yeah. And so in our culture, where where all of the the creation of love in our uh, philosophies and our mythologies, that it all happens, at, and then you get married and live happily ever after. And so we put all of the effort into making love happen. And then once we get married, we just expect that love to last. No, we actually have to go back and say, we're going to stir this love up. We're going to create this. And it's the same in our relationship with God. That when we first meet God, it's wonderful. And we, as you mentioned, we, we just naturally want to be a part of everything. And we're learning and we're seeing new things and we're growing and we're seeing positive impact in our life. And it's very easy just to then say, okay, this is who I am now. And then that becomes the normal, familiar, and then eventually the stale because we're not actively finding ways to create that relationship. Yeah. So I think, you know, in what we do, um, in everything we do, it's all about knowing Jesus. It's all about, like I mentioned before, that it is about relationship with him. And our goal is Jesus. Yeah. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. So there is no other way but Jesus. So unless we actually make him our goal to know him, then the Bible says he, he would simply not know us. When, when we were standing in front of him, he will say, I do not know you because you haven't put that as your goal to know him, to get to know yeah. who he really is. So when we read the Bible, what are we reading it for? Are we reading it to just uh, study the scripture, just to know and learn and, you know, pick out some things that we agree with, things we don't agree with, we'll put it aside. Is it for just to get your morals right? Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up some good stuff that I know that will help me, but other stuff that I don't agree with, I'll just push, push it aside. I think a lot of times people get stuck in those things that it's actually about that personal relationship with Jesus. It's about getting to know him. And, yeah. and that's the most important thing in life. All those things, you know, other things will be added onto. So when you actually make a decision to follow God, and obviously your worldview at that point would be different. And so the more you get to know God, the more you get to know His heart. Then when you read the Bible, it, it will actually make sense what is God's heart and why those scriptures are the way they are. Why sometimes we get stuck with, why is there so many rules in the Bible? Yes, there's all these rules in the Bible, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is your relationship with God. Once you start doing that, once you start focusing on Jesus, He would start to change you from the inside. So then all of a sudden you'll realize those things in the Bible that you didn't agree with before. Once you get to know the heart of God, you will see a different picture What what the Bible verse is saying. Why it is the truth, because He is the way and the truth and the life. Why is the the truth? And because now you know the truth, and if you follow the truth, it will give you life. Yeah. And that's that's something that we 
seem to miss out on is that life. Like I want to, we say things like, I want to live my life to the fullest. So I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to go out and do this and this. And, you know, just because this is my idea of what my life should look like, live my life to the full. And I just don't think that's, that's the point of all of it. Once you get to know Jesus, you find out what actually life is all about. And then you see that there's a better way to live life where it's not about happiness, but there's so much joy in your life that you can't get away from him. And it's like um, you might, uh, like I mentioned before, you might have a friend that, that is a really good friend of yours. You like spending time with them. Every chance you get, maybe even it's your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your wife or your husband, you really like spending time with them. So every chance you get, you would go out with them. You would want to spend time with them. You'll try to make excuses at work to go out and spend time with them, whatever it is you're doing, because you really love that person. So it's the same with Jesus. When you get to really know him and spend time with him, you find out that all these things that we talked about, you know, they're good things, reading your Bible, all of that. But it's also important to know why we're doing them. That is the most important part. Why we're doing them is that we get to know the heart of God. We get to understand and know Him to see who He really is. And that's that's just something um, that I felt like we should be doing. And it's in the Bible. A lot of people can say things like, I'm... I'm not a religious person. I'm I'm more of a spiritual person. And they might look life differently. They might not actually follow a religion. They might just think they believe in God or things like that. And for for me when when they say things like that, I'm I'm not religious. Um what does religion look like is is something that we need to see through and what does religion look like and what does religious activities look like? Sometimes in churches we can we have the same format. We have our worship, we do our tithes and offerings, we do our communion and we do our message, we pray for people, we have our supper and then we go home. Now that's a structure of the church and we can do that and it could become so familiar to people where it becomes a religious thing. And and sometimes people start to hate that because it's the same thing over and over again. It's same when you have to eat toast every single day for every single meal. At some point, you're going to start hating toast because you have it all the time. You just want something a bit different. And that's why I think people, when they think of religion, it just they have this experience why, well, I'm, I don't want that stale feeling left, you know. I have been there, I have tried that, and it was the same over and over again. So I'm just going to be more spiritual where I spend more time with God. And I think we need a bit of balance of that because like all balanced meal, it is good, good for you. You can always have toast if you want, if you really love it. But what's more healthy for you is a balanced diet. And I think that there should be a balance between going to church, spending time with God uh, in his presence and reading your Bible and all of that. And just, just, Looking at that, uh, for me, I need to be uh, very careful that I don't, you know, go into that ways of religion where I keep doing the same things that I do over and over again because God is a God of wonders and He can 
do things in a million different ways. He can show you things in a million different ways. It's amazing when you look at a potato, what you can do with a potato. It's, you can, <laughs> you can make it into a mash, you can make it into a chips, you can make it into a crisp, you can make it into baked potatoes. You can do a lot of things. You can do curry potatoes. You can basically, if you can do a hundred things with a potato, imagine how much more interesting God can make your spiritual life once you spend, start spending time with him. And that's exactly what God wants to do, is show you new ways, new things about him that you would really enjoy. It's not the same toast every single day. So I think, Shane, this podcast might be a bit short. And so I'm wondering if we could just go through maybe a few more ways to cook potatoes. Uh, so I noticed you didn't mention roast or um, you know, <laughs> is there any any other particular ways that you like your potatoes? Well, I like them in a lovo, which is in underground oven. Yeah, so we would we would describe that as a campfire potato, um, and uh, yeah, but I think it's different. You can grill it based on. Yeah, you could grill it, deep fried. That's it. There's so many things you can do with the potato. I haven't got my recipe book in yeah. front of me, so. Yeah, well, I don't think we plan to talk about potatoes. <laughs> so I think you know the other thing in the middle of all of it, you know, if God is the goal. If relationship with him is is the end game, it, it's it's the whole point of all of the disciplines is actually to meet with him. Yeah. Then I think it's actually probably worth mentioning the idea of just asking him where he wants to meet us. That's it. And so, for example, if I'm reading the Bible, that's great. And you know, we we mention occasionally the idea of having a reading plan, but just occasionally to say, God, where do you want me to read in the Bible? As you open up the scripture, say, God, where, what what book, what passage, what section do you want me to read from? And if he doesn't answer, then just go with a normal reading plan. But if you get a thought or a, or a prompting to read a particular part of the Bible, just go there and say, God, I'm, I'm wanting to meet you there. If you're praying, you know, leave time for God to speak back to you. You know, you know obviously, when Jesus gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he didn't have a pause break in there at all to say, you know, at some stage here, we're going to allow God to speak. But, you know, it's obvious as you read the scripture right throughout the whole Bible that God wants to speak to people. And so Moses would go to the tabernacle of meeting every day and the pillar of uh, cloud would come and descend on the tabernacle. And while Moses was in there, he would actually just have a conversation with God and then he would come out to the people and tell the people what God had said. And I think, you know, we often talk about having a conversation with God, but all we did is tell God what we think. And there's value to that. I certainly don't want to say, don't tell God what you think. Certainly, please have that conversation with God. Talk to him. Let him know where you're at. But leave space for him to talk back because he also wants to tell you what he thinks. He wants to tell you what's on his heart, what he's, uh, what he wants us to learn or grow in. And so I think just allowing him to be part of the conversation about how I'm going to do my daily devotional. You know, if I'm going to church, don't just go to church to see what the pastor's going to tell you this week. Don't just go to church to say, I hope they sing some good songs this week. I could really use being uplifted by some good songs. No, if God is the goal, then have a conversation with God beforehand and say, God, who can I encourage today? Who, who can I be 
your voice to today? Who, who are you going to bring across my path that I can share something into their life? Also, ask God, speak to me. Through, I, I need something from you today. Speak to me during the sermon. I had this on Sunday where we had a guest speaker in our church. And, you know, just as he was sharing, he was, you know, he, he preached to everyone. He wasn't singling me out and saying, I've got a word from God for you. But what he was sharing was a word from God directly into my circumstance, into my heart. And I needed it. And so it's not just about what can I learn from this sermon. It's about can I hear God in what's being said? That's it. You know, when I'm taking communion, someone's going to get up and talk about the sacrifice that Jesus made or, or, or something like that. And, and they're going to, I'm going to have the emblems in front of me, the, the, the bread and the juice, and, and I'm going to have the opportunity to partake of that. And the Bible says if I don't do that, stopping and saying, this is Jesus, then I'm actually taking it in an unworthy manner. If I'm thinking about myself or my appetite or even my sins at that moment, rather than thinking about the sacrifice that Jesus made, then it's an unworthy manner. So I actually need to, even in the the process of taking communion, I actually need to stop and remember this is about him. This is this is my saviour. This is my beloved. And he died for me. And just to have that moment where I actually don't just rush through the snack, but actually stop and reflect on the fact, this is Jesus. This is what he did. And so in, in everything that we're doing, just actually stop Invite God into the conversation. Invite God into the moment. I'm not I'm not just going to speed read through the whole Bible in a week. I'm actually going to take this passage and try to meet God in it. So Shane, on that thought, can you think of some times in your life where you can actually pinpoint something that happened that actually caused you to step back from that intimacy with God and just start to go through the motions a little bit more, like maybe a difficult circumstance or a, or a question that wasn't answered properly to your satisfaction. And so then it actually made you step back. And so when you then had to deal with that to come back, it, it, it forced you to go through some sort of maturing process. Yeah, I, I think it did. Um, for, for me, um, I was, and it happened to me uh, quite a few times where... Um, it, it actually sort of was my mistake because I should be looking towards God. But when I also look towards uh, my leaders that are there and when I see them and I felt like they weren't um, doing sort of what God had asked them to do or they weren't following the God that I would have liked to follow. And that sort of discouraged me from a lot of things. It's like pushed me away a bit from God where I was just so focused on them that I stopped focusing on God. I was focused on the issues that they had, that other people had, which I shouldn't be doing, that it, um, you know, interfered with my walk with God. And so the biggest lesson that I learned from that was, actually, it's not about the people. Every Everyone is a human being. Nobody's going to be perfect. It doesn't matter if it's, you're someone, a leader above you, or your pastors, or a bishop, or a doctor, I don't know, whoever's uh, amazing in your life, whoever's up there, they're all humans, and the only person that's perfect is Jesus. And when once you make the mistake of looking at humans, why aren't they doing this or that? And then that actually encouraged me, from, discouraged me, sorry, from, uh, you know, not reading my Bible as much, uh, being focused on their problems so much that, 
my intimacy with God wasn't there. My intimacy with God was great, but because of those circumstances and situations, because I was focusing on people, my focus was more on them than God. And without realizing, I was getting away from God because I had issues with some people. And I think that's a, a trap that everyone can fall into, and many people have. And that, that definitely hinders my relationship with God. That definitely brings me into like when I'll be reading the Bible, I'll be just reading something and it will annoy me because I can see like, this is in the Bible, why don't you get it? And it is not my place to judge or my place to you know, be frustrated at people. That is purely God's. My, my job is to get to know him more. And so that, that was sort of my struggle that sort of stopped me um, in various different times that I had to remind myself, no, it's about Jesus. He's the only one. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to look towards him, not towards people. And yeah, and usually people are, are the ones that hinder us from uh, our walk with God. And I don't want that to happen to me. And so I fought against it. And most times it is very difficult. Yeah, the first time uh, I heard this statement I'm about to make, I, I remember finding it very funny and then it just kept coming up and up and up. And then I haven't heard it for about 20 years. And the statement is, if a hypocrite comes between you and God, who's closer to God? <laughs> and I think that's what you're saying, that we, we let people come in and whatever they say, whatever they do, and they might be right or they might be wrong, but maybe it hurts us or maybe it distracts us and we end up focusing in on something rather than God. And I think that's that's uh, quite a difficult one. Uh, the other thing that that happens is sometimes we get focused on our comfort or our safety or or questions that we've not had answered, and we actually let those things as though as though it's God's job to make me comfortable or safe. That's it. No, God's job is to make me into His image. God's job is to make me like Him, and that's yeah. going to require change. And change is very rarely comfortable. Uh, you know, it's very rarely the fact that I get to just settle safely. God's actually going to challenge and stir up and bring obstacles across that I have yeah. to overcome because he wants me to grow and be stronger. And so, yeah, you know, I think the the fact there that, you know, sometimes people come in well-meaning and they're wrong. Sometimes people come in maliciously and they're wrong. Sometimes people come in and, and they're actually saying something right. We just don't like it or, or agree with it. And, it. and it then becomes a stumbling block for us. And so we've got to then, you know, either way, whatever it is, we've got to find a way to, to get our eyes back on Jesus. I think you've, you've said that um, amazingly well, the, the way you've described that. Um, I think uh, the other thing that happens, and I probably don't want to major on this one because I think we talked a bit about it in the Seeking versus Serving podcast. But the fact that we're not supposed to be seeking God in isolation. Like, yes, there's times where you go into your your, your prayer closet and you, you shut the door and you just spend time with God on your own. But the goal of relationship with God is to be in a community. And the Bible talks about Christianity as part of the community of faith, that that it's, it's an individual pursuit, but it's an individual pursuit as part of a corporate group. And so he brings us into the church and he brings us in to spend into the gathering, to spend time together talking about him, learning about him, growing in him. And whenever that happens, that comes with responsibilities and responsibilities then distract us from what God wants us to do. And so or even if the responsibilities might be what God wants us to do, but then they distract us from him. And so there's always, I think, 
I don't think this is a tension that gets solved. I don't think the question that we're discussing is something that you can then say, well, you'll get to a certain point and you've done these steps right and so you'll never struggle with this again. I think this is actually an ongoing question that we need to ask ourselves. Am I just doing this behavior because it's the right thing to do or am I still having that fresh love relationship with God? And, you know, it's a historical question. It's throughout all religious traditions throughout all time, there's been this tendency for us to fall into the formula rather than the relationship. And so we either reject the formula altogether and say, I don't want anything to do with God, or we get stuck in the formula and we forget about the fact the formula is actually not so hard and fast. It's actually designed as a tutor to lead us to Christ. It's actually designed as pushing us towards God. And, and there's times where you have to choose between the form and the substance. You have to choose, am I going to just do the activity or am I going to be seeking God? There's times where God will actually tell you, don't do that activity at the moment. I want you to do something else. And so, you know, it, it might be that I'm going to go and sit down and read my Bible for the day. And God says, no, I want you to go and sing a worship song. Well, you can't justify an argument to say worship is more important than Bible or, or vice versa. That's not the point. The point is that God's saying, I'm, I'm over here. I'm not over there. Like I know God's everywhere, but he manifests it and shows himself in certain ways at certain places. And so God is saying, I'm not actually over there. I'm over here. And we see that again with the children of Israel wandering through the desert, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, it would move. And so they just pack everything up and follow. And so it's not about the location. It's about the person. And I think that becomes true across all the areas of disciplines in our spiritual life, that if, we, if it becomes about the job, then I think we start to miss it. And we have to remind ourselves, we have to actually consistently step ourselves back and say, am I doing this to meet with him? Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, listening to our podcast. Uh, if you'd like to send us some questions, you can head to our Instagram page called Asking Better Questions Podcast, or you can send us an email at um, askingbetterquestionpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Have a great day. We hope to see another question come in next week.